So many people search for fulfillment in so many different ways. But this morning I want to talk about what brings us true fulfillment in life. And it's, and it's a genuine love relationship with Jesus. It's like that song that we we're singing just a little while ago. In fact, we're going to put the words back on the screen. I'm in love with Jesus. I want you to think about these words. Is this all dance, shout, let it all out because I'm in love with Jesus. I'm going to sing praise all of my days for he has set me free. I'm going to tell everyone in this town that I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with him. He's in love with me and I'll never be the same again. As you think about those words, does that honestly describe your relationship with God this morning? Think about it. Could you really use those terms? I'm in love with Jesus to describe how you feel about God this morning. Is there any sense of this excitement? I'm just going to tell everyone because I'm so in love with him. You know, when you first get in that relationship with with whomever and you just fall in love, it's just written all over your face and you just have to tell people. It's not this guilt thing. It's not like, oh, I got to tell someone I have a girlfriend. No, it's it's just this excitement. It's like, gosh, you know, I got to tell you about this relationship. Well, can you say that about your relationship with God? That you are so in love with him this morning that you can't even contain it. You guys, the Christian life is not that difficult. It's not that complicated, I should say. You guys, it's about having a love relationship with God. That's what it all boils down to. Jesus says, just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And that's really the bottom line to our, our faith and what we do here. It's not about obeying a bunch of rules because we have to and feel like, well, this is the way we can earn our salvation. It's about being so in love with God that we want to obey Him. Are you in love with God this morning? Think about that. Can you really use those words to describe your relationship with God? That's what this series has been all about. See, the desire is that as you spend time alone with God, which hopefully you've been doing these last couple of weeks, spending just time, just you and God alone, that it would cause you to fall more and more in love with Him. Has that happened? See, one of my favorite things to do on this earth is just to get away from everyone else and, and be alone with my wife. There are times when I just, I, we just love to just ditch the kids and just be by ourselves. You know, get us there. Let's just go to dinner. Let's just be by ourselves. Let's just talk. Or let's, let's get a whole day away. Or let's get a week away. Or two years away. No, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's just get alone. And, and, and there's nothing like, you know, just getting that time where we connect. I don't know about you, but when my wife and I can just seriously have a conversation and seriously just talk and spend some real time together and just communicate where she really shares her heart and I share mine. I just come away from times like that, just going, gosh, I really love this woman. She's just incredible. And the more time we spend alone like that, the more in love we are. And you guys, the desire is that that would happen in our relationships with God. See, that's why we've been emphasizing, spend some time just alone where you ditch the rest of the world and it's just you and God. And you have time where you hear from him, you open up his book and you just find out how much he loves you. And that's what this book is. It just talks about this this God in heaven who, who just radically loves us. And then our time of prayer where we share back with him, God, I and I love you for everything you've done for me. And the desire is that as you spend time like that every day, just you and God, that you come away from that just feeling more and more in love with him. 
And you guys, that's where the desire to obey comes from. It's out of this love for God. You see, a lot of times we obey out of fear, which is okay. I mean, the Bible says that the, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where a lot of times our relationship with God starts. We realize, okay, there's a creator up there who is God Almighty who could take my life at any second. I should, I should obey Him. But you guys, as your relationship with God develops, it goes beyond that. Not just to fear, but, but to love. Where you fall in love with that God and now you obey Him, not just out of a fear, but out of a love for Him, for what He's done. That's why after Jesus says, you know, uh, just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. In verse 10, he says, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. And he explains that this obedience has to do with love. In John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And it's true, when we are genuinely in love with God, the, the commands are things that we want to obey. Let me think about it, you guys. Okay, this is what we believe. If you're a Christian today, this is what you believe. That you and I were created beings. We are created beings. That we would not exist without God. This whole world wouldn't exist. And we believe that God created this world, that it didn't come from nowhere. But that God created this world. He created us as individuals. Think about that. Just the gap between God and man. We wouldn't even exist without Him. He makes us, He creates us, and he, he gives us guidelines by which to live. His commands. And we all fall short of those commands. We've all sinned against God. We've all done things that are offensive to Him. And what the Bible teaches is that rather than punishing us for that, He has to punish because He's a righteous God. He has to punish sin. What he does is he sends his own son and has him die on a cross to demonstrate his love for us, saying, look, I'm not going to punish you. I will punish my own son because I love you so much. Now, do you really believe that? I mean, more than just, well, yeah, that's what I was brought up in Sunday school learning. That's what my parents told me as a kid. No, do you in your heart really believe that that took place? If so, think about what that means. I try to put myself in God's shoes. I mean, I try to think, wait, the, the logical thing, the right thing to do would have been to punish us. But to punish your own son? And think about this. I try to imagine, what would it feel like to watch my daughter crucified? You guys, I, I can't even imagine... What would it feel like? My oldest daughter that I've only known for six years, six years old, and the bond that's there and everything, and, and to watch her go through the pain of a crucifixion right now. I just can't even imagine that. And then to picture God in this perfect love relationship with His one and only Son from all of eternity, and to, and to watch His Son being crucified on a cross... And to think that he did that and he endured that because he loved me. So God, you you watched your son suffer so you could have a relationship with me. Because you understand that's that's what the Bible teaches. 
It's, it's the greatest love story you'll ever read about a God who says, I love my creation that much. I watched my son suffer for Jesus himself to say in that same passage, he says, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He says, I'm about to show you greater love than you've ever seen. I'm about to lay down my life for you. I'm going to be crucified on this cross so that you don't have to pay the penalty for your sin at the end of your life. I'll take it for you. And the point is, is at some point in your life, you really believe that in your heart. You say, God, you did that for me. Jesus, you did that for me. I'll give my whole life to you. I've never felt that kind of love. No one has done anything like that for me. I give you my life. Look, I don't live my life the way I do because I think, oh, I better do this or God's not going to let me to heaven or he's not going to like me. No, the issue is I look at what God has done for me and say, God, I'll give you my whole life. Everything is yours. I want to serve you. I want to obey you. And it's out of love that we begin to obey when we fall in love with God. And that's why I ask you this morning, are you in love with him? Have you spent time this week just coming before him and saying, God, you did that for me. I love you. Can you use that term in love to describe your relationship with God? Because that's what this is about. You guys, this is not a religion where you earn your way to heaven. It's about recognizing that God loves you and accepting that love and spending the rest of your life cultivating that love relationship with him. It's not that complicated. And we obey. It's out of love. It's all because of love. Now, some of you, maybe you're there. Maybe you say, you know what? I do love God. And that's why we pursue holiness. That's why we obey the command. It's like, well, if that offends God, I don't want to do it because I love him. And maybe you're at that point where you say, I do love God and I want to obey him. But it's hard, isn't it? Even though when you're you're at that point, you say, "Okay, I want to be holy. I don't want to do anything that offends him. But it's difficult. Why? Well, first of all, we've got Satan, right? The Bible says that the devil prowls around like this roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The Bible says that there's this God of this world, the ruler of this age. His name is Satan or the devil who tries to get us to do what is wrong, who tries to get us to fall, to walk away from God. And so it's hard to live a holy life when you have this force of evil in this world that's trying to get you to fall. But not only that, not only do you have Satan against you, but you and I, we've got the whole world against us. I mean, when you try to live according to this book, you've got the rest of the world that says that that's a bunch of garbage. Yet the rest of the world that says, come on, you don't have to live up to that standard of morality. You've got the rest of the world, every time you turn on the television and watch a TV show, it teaches the exact opposite of this book. Every time you go to a movie, it seems like every movie goes against what this book teaches. And it's what the whole world believes. And so, like, if I want to follow God, if I want to live this righteous life, I'm going against what the world is teaching. I'm trying to fight Satan, who's trying to get me to trip up every single day of my life. And now above all of that, the Bible says our bodies, our own bodies naturally gravitate towards sin. So not only do I have Satan, not only do I have the whole world against me, but I've got my own body against me. My own body that craves what is sinful. You guys, we all desire, we all naturally gravitate towards sin. I mean, those who have raised children, you know, you don't have to teach them evil. You don't have to teach them. This is how you disobey mom and dad. It's in them. It's in them. It's, it's, you, it's, you spend your whole life trying to turn that around. Why? Because in our flesh, we naturally gravitate towards what is sinful. 
Man, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes when I share my life and I just share, you know, struggles I'm having, people go, you struggle? You guys, it's not like when you decide to become a pastor, all your sinful desires just go away. You guys, we're all human. We all have these desires. Why? Because it's in our flesh. And, and we may have different temptations in this room, but everyone has them. And so how in the world are we supposed to live a holy life and obey God, even if we love him and even if we want to do what's right, how do we obey him when we've got Satan, we've got the world and we've got our own bodies that we have to fight against? Well, the Bible says you can live a holy life. Why? Because the moment you decide to accept Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into you. God's very spirit comes into you and he gives you a new power. He enables you. To defeat your sin, to live a holy life. You see, while you can look at the world and you can look at Satan, you can look at your own flesh and say, well, I'll never win. The Bible says no, because the Holy Spirit will come into you and the world and Satan and your flesh are no match for the Holy Spirit. It'd be like if someone told you, you know, you have to step into a boxing ring with Lennox Lewis and Riddick Bowe and Mike Tyson. And you think, oh, man, I'll never win. They say, oh, but you get a gun. Oh, all right. You know, it's just that same picture. It's the same picture. It's like you can look at these enemies and say, man, I could never defeat them. And absolutely, you never could. You can't live a righteous life. But when you are given the Holy Spirit, the Bible says when you become a Christian, you become a new creation. It says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and new things have come. And do you really believe that this morning, that you are completely different the moment you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life? The Bible says you died your old self. Romans 6 talks about baptism. It talks about how it's like you, you, you buried your old self in the water. So that's why we get baptized after we come to know the Lord. It, because then, and then it's a picture of our salvation. It's saying, you know what? That was the old me that's dying and staying in the water. I'm coming up. I'm living a new life for God. And I can do that now because the Holy Spirit is inside of me. Do you really believe this morning that you are a completely different creation now? Ever since the Holy Spirit came into you and changed you. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. You know, a lot of times in conservative churches, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. Because uh, I remember being raised in, a, in, in kind of a Baptist type church. And uh, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Because, uh, you know, sometimes we would visit at other churches where they would talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. And, and it kind of freaked us out. You know, we'd go there and we'd see people drooling on the ground, chewing on the carpet and, you know, rolling around the aisles and just go, eh, I don't want that. And then you see things on TV, you know, in these Holy Spirit churches where, you know, well, there's holy laughter, you know, and people are just laughing for an hour straight saying, well, that's what the Holy Spirit's making me do. I remember there was a there was a movement at one point where it's a, they, they called it holy vomiting. And when the Holy Spirit would fill them, it's like, you know, it would just and they'd say, oh, we can't control it. It's the Holy Spirit. He's inducing that in us. We don't do that here, by the way, don't you? Don't go uh, doing that here. The, the, the idea was we would just kind of get freaked out by it all and say, well, if that's the Holy Spirit. I, I don't want any of that. And and yet, you guys, it is such a sin to neglect the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure in this room, we would have disagreements in this room as to, you know, what we would say, well, the Holy Spirit does this. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. You know, but you guys, one thing we would all agree on as believers is that the emphasis of the Holy Spirit is holiness. 
The one thing that the Holy Spirit does in a believer's life is bring holiness. That is the point of the Holy Spirit's coming was so that he would empower us to do what is right, what is holy. That's why he is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of the sin, righteousness and judgment. He makes us holy. He enables us to be the people that God wants us to be. He empowers us to live that holy life. We don't focus that on that enough. And some say, well, there's a second filling of the Spirit. And I, I, have a, I have two fillings of the Spirit. It's like, well, if you've got two fillings of the Holy Spirit, great. But then your life should be twice as holy as ours. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He, he produces this holiness. He gives us the desire for what is right. And he empowers us for what is right. That is, that is the function of the Holy Spirit that we need to focus on. That we would all agree on. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Just how the Holy Spirit can transform our lives. And I pray that He's done that for you. You guys, it says in Romans 8, how the Holy Spirit gives us a whole new mindset. See, in Romans 8, verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. See, it says there that that we used to focus on what was wrong. That's what our mindset was. That's what we were directed at. Do you remember those days? Remember those days when you would pursue what was sinful just because it looked fun? Look like, you know what, I would enjoy that. It was just whatever you enjoyed, you would pursue and your mind would be set on it, even though you, you may have known it was wrong. Maybe you didn't know it was wrong. But looking back now, you realize I used to pursue these things. Remember when you used to just love your sin and you would just pursue it? Because you just thought, well, that'll bring fulfillment. That looks fun. I would enjoy that. And so you would go after it. You'd have your mind set on. Remember when the, there were just things in the world that you just loved and you look at them now and you go, man, I used to just think money was everything. I used to think my position, my reputation or whatever it may be, my possessions were everything to me. That was my mindset. That's all I wanted. But then when you came to a genuine relationship with God, you look back at that stuff and go, what was I thinking? That stuff doesn't matter so much to me anymore. You see, the Bible says that when we live according to our sinful nature, we have our minds set that way. But then it says those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. See, when you became a Christian, you started heading a different direction, didn't you? You're pursuing certain things, and that's what repentance means. You, you turn and you start heading toward God. You start heading toward what the Spirit desires. We have a whole different mindset. It says that this, the mind of sinful man is death. That mindset driving after those things, he says, that leads to death or destruction. And isn't that true? I mean, think about it. You, you ever look at uh, someone who's an alcoholic and living out in the streets? You ever look at him and go, man, I would love to be in his shoes right now? No. Why? Because you, you're, you're looking at the end result. You ever look at a person who has been unfaithful in their marriage and has been caught? And, and the, the husband or wife and the kids are all just looking at this 
this, this person, unfaithful father or mother, and, and, and they lose the whole family. And, and you ever look at that person and say, wow, I'd love to be in his or her shoes right now. No, why? Because it's leading to death, destruction. You ever go to a funeral? You ever been to a funeral of someone who did not live their life for God? You ever been to a funeral like that where, where someone just lived to, to fulfill their own sinful desires their whole lives? And then here they are in a coffin before you. You ever look at that coffin and say, wow, I'd love to be in his shoes right now. No way. But a lot of times we don't think about the end result. And a lot of people, they're blinded to that. They, they can't even think that way. I mean, to us who are believers and who have the Spirit in us, it's obvious to us. It's like, well, obviously it results in death. I don't want that. But a lot of times they have blinders on and just say, well, it looks fine, looks fine, looks fine. They just head down that road. And the Bible says when you have your mindset on that, it's death. But it says the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. See, when you get that new mindset and you're focused on the things that the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, that's when life begins. That's where you get your peace. You ever look at a person who's totally filled with the Spirit, who just loves God, is walking with God, and maybe they're further along in years and they've been walking with the Lord for a while. You ever look at them and go, gosh, I would love to be like that. I would love to be in his or her shoes. You ever been to a funeral of someone who loved the Lord? You ever been to the funeral of someone who lived their lives and sacrificed for God? You ever sometimes just sit there during that memorial service and say, I wonder what it would be like to be in their shoes right now. They've lived their lives for God and now they're at the end and they're with their maker. How I'd love to be in their shoes right now. You see, the Holy Spirit, when He comes into us, he gives us this whole new direction in life that leads to life, that leads to peace. Rather than our old mindset that was just focused on our sin, focused on our own pleasures, that really ultimately leads to, to death and destruction. You see, do you see yourself as a new creation today? And you know what, ever since I made that decision, I've headed in a new direction. Now, before the Holy Spirit came into you, even if you wanted to go in that direction, you couldn't. You were powerless to do so. That's what the Bible explains. It's the Holy Spirit, again, that enables us to defeat the enemy and head in the right direction. That's what it talks about in verse 7. It says, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. You understand that? It's saying us naturally, we can't do what's right. We can't just naturally submit to God's law. We cannot do so, even if we wanted to. We cannot do it. No one here, by their own power, can please God. You can't, you can't obey His law. You, you don't have the strength in your mind or in your heart or wherever. You know, people say, dig deep inside, it's inside of you. It's not. You can't obey God. You can't be good enough for Him. Is by your own nature, by your own sinful power, you cannot achieve that. But he says, in verse 8, he says, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. 
But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, and yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. He says, see, but the Holy Spirit living in you enables you, empowers you to do what is right. So you've got an incredible power in you. When the Holy Spirit comes in to live in you, and it says, if, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. You know, some say, well, you can be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit in you. That's not true. Not according to this verse. In verse 9, it says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then Christ isn't in you. You're not a Christian. There's no such thing as, a, as a, a Christian who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. But He lives in us. And I love verse 11. Listen to this. It says, if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead will also is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Think about it. He says the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave lives inside of you. Do you believe that? Remember Jesus who died on the cross, crucified, buried in a tomb, And he says, that spirit that raised him from the dead, imagine that kind of power. He says, that same spirit that enabled Jesus to rise from the grave lives inside of you and I. That's some pretty amazing power that lives in us. Do you really believe that? That you've got that type of power living inside of you? What does that tell you? What it tells me is I don't ever have to sin. I've got, the, I've got God's very spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. So I'm empowered to where I don't have to sin ever. You know, something that's going on in the church for the last few decades, really, is, is people feel like they're powerless. I've seen so many Christians that just live defeated lives. And what we do is we go around, we make excuses for our sin. I feel like that's a lot of my job, just sitting down and listening to people who make excuses for why they can't live a holy life. I just can't do it because of this, this, and this, and this. And we go around, we get people to feel sorry for us. Well, you don't know my situation. Mine's worse than everyone else in the world. And the reason is, is because of this, 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 and this. And we go on and on and on, and we talk about all the things that are wrong, that are, you know, why we're messed up, why the way we are, why we can't help what, what we are today. And you guys, I'm not here to belittle anyone's issues. But the truth is, is we've all got issues. We've all got things in our past that are messing us up. And you may think that yours are worse than someone else. And I am not here to argue that. I'm sure you've all had tougher lives than everyone else. I don't want to belittle that. What I'm tired of is the way we belittle God. And say, so that's why God can't help me out of this one. And we seriously start believing one another, thinking, yeah, you know what, your situation is too intense. The Holy Spirit can't handle that one in you. I mean, He can raise Jesus from the grave, but to help you with those issues? No, that's, that's beyond Him. I'm sorry. You know, let's just cry. You guys, I, I don't mean to be sarcastic. Yeah, I do. You know, I mean, you guys, we've been belittling what God can do in our lives. You guys, we're living these defeated lives thinking, yeah, I'm just powerless. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm saying, no, what God says is God's spirit lives inside of you. 
Man, that's a tremendous power. And we, we don't we don't take hold of that. We don't. It's like we don't believe that really is true. And I, and I see so many people just feeling like and I'm not saying that doesn't mean that we're, we're ever sad. Jesus wept. There are times there are difficult times we go through in life. I'm talking about this issue of feeling defeated. I'm talking about this issue of saying, yeah, I can't overcome that sin. Yes, you can. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You don't dare tell God he can't do something. See, it starts with this mindset that says that God's Holy Spirit is inside of me. God dwells in me. I can overcome anything. Because I'm a child of God now. I'm a different being. Yes, in your own flesh, by your own power, there's no way you could overcome the obstacles in your life. You don't have the power to do so. But ever since the Holy Spirit came into you, you changed. You're different now. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe just how different you are? I want to illustrate this. You see, before you, uh, before you became a Christian, you're like this little remote control car, okay? And, and it's like you were aimed, you were just naturally aimed toward what was wrong, what was sinful. You know, it, it's like this was your direction. You're just gravitating toward what is evil. Okay? Even if, even if you wanted to aim toward what is right, you were powerless to do so. You couldn't go that direction. You couldn't head toward the things of God. You just aimed toward what was sinful. I mean, you just gravitate toward that. Everyone does. You can't, you can't head toward God by yourself. But the moment you came to believe in Jesus Christ, the moment you understood what Jesus did on the cross for you and accepted Him as your own Lord and Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came into you. God's very Spirit enters you and you become a temple of the Holy Spirit. That would be like this, this battery pack. Okay? It's like before you were empty. There's nothing in here. And it's, it's powerless. But when the Holy Spirit comes into you, it's like this battery pack that enters in and gives life. And a new life and an ability and a strength and a power. See, this is a, this is a whole different creation now. Because now, not only is your direction, you know, at first you're headed down this direction. Now you change your direction. Say, I want to head toward God. But not only is your direction changed, but now your power is changed. Now God enables you to go up this. It's the whole idea of now that you've, well, you've got this power in you, you can go this direction. And that's what you're made to do. I mean, there's times you'll still backslide. But then you come back up and you head the way of God. You're moving God's direction. That's what you're made for. You're pointed this way. You can move this way. You're empowered this way. See, do you really believe that that change took place in your life? Do you really believe that this is you now with a new power inside of you? The Holy Spirit is in you and he can enable you and you can overcome anything. You can head toward God. See, so many people are, are, you know, are are living such powerless lives because we don't take into account the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we can do now that we are new creations Honestly, do you see yourself as a new creation? 
The power of the Holy Spirit living in your life, enabling you to pursue the things of God rather than being drugged down to your sin. See, it changes who we are. Our whole identity is different. I'm no longer this weak human being that's just going to gravitate towards sin, but now I'm a child of God. I've got God's Spirit dwelling inside of me. The Bible describes this in verse 12. It says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, it says we don't have this obligation to that old sinful nature. We don't have to go down to that sin anymore. Whereas before we had that obligation. We were slaves to sin, the Bible says. But now we've got a new obligation. And it says by, in verse 13, If you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. What does the Bible say we can do to our sin? It says we can put to death the deeds of our flesh, the misdeeds of the body, that old sin that we're so focused on and thinking, oh, I can't overcome that, I can't ever beat that. The Bible says, yeah, you can. You can put it to death. Not you physically, you don't have the power to do that. He goes, but by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You and I can overcome any sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. God promises that. He goes on in verse 14. Why? Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, he says, when the Spirit comes into you, it changes you. You're no longer a slave again to fear. You see, that's why he says, it's not like we live our lives just going, oh gosh, I better do this, because if I don't do this, God may punish me or I may not get into heaven. He says, you don't, you don't, that's not us. He says, you have a spirit in you that cries out, Abba, Father, that cries out, Daddy. He says, God in heaven, you are my dad. It's a whole different identity. I am a child of God now. His spirit inside of me tells me that, that I am his very child. And that means one day I'm going to be an heir. I'm going to inherit what he has. You ever inherit something? I never have. I'm waiting for this one. But anyways, but, uh, you know, it's this, this inheritance of man. You know, when you realize what you're going to inherit, you think, wow, that's great. And the whole idea here, he says, you are heirs of his kingdom. You're a child of God. You're going to inherit what God has. You're going to one day be with him and to focus on that. I've got a whole new identity as a child of God. Do you believe that tonight? Or do you still have that old spirit that says, I've got to work my way to heaven. I've got to be good enough. And the Bible says, just relax. That is so wrong. After everything that God has done for you, He already did it all. When Jesus was on the cross, He says, it's finished. His work was completed. If you believe in Him and you trust in Him, you are a child of God. And you should learn to just fall in love with that fact that you are a child of God. And that love should motivate you to holiness. Knowing that you're a different being now. His spirit came into you and empowered you to be a child of God. 
focus on that, would you? Would you focus on who you are today in God's eyes? Let's stop being in the world and, and look at all of our human qualities and say, yeah, but I'm not as attractive as that person. I'm not successful. I'm not as rich. I'm not this or that. You're a child of God. You're an heir of the promise. And to focus on that and not focus on your old sin. That's, that's why so many of us fall, fall back into our old traps. Because we're so focused on who we used to be and all of our old struggles rather than focusing on the power that's in us now. It's like I shared with you a long time ago about uh, I went mountain biking. This was years ago um, and uh, with a couple of guys in the church the last time I went mountain biking and uh, and a couple of guys that, you know, are just avid mountain bikers, Keith and Tom, they you know asked me to go with them. And I thought, you know, yeah, I'm sure I can keep up with them. I'm a good athlete, you know. I was wrong, but uh, we go on this mountain bike ride, right? And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm pretty coordinated. I'll, I'll be, I'll be fine. I kept falling. Okay, I kept, I would run into rocks. I would, you know, hit a branch, hit whatever. I mean, there were times literally where I would, I would, I fell off the side of a cliff one time. I mean, and I just started sliding down this thing, and the bikes coming after me, and they're on the top of the hill just laughing, you know, as I'm just sliding, you know, and it's like, who's going to win to the bottom of the hill, the bike or Francis? You know, we're just sliding down this thing. You know, I remember going over the handlebars and just kind of just catching air and just flying. It It was funny to me for a while, you know, but then it just got annoying. It's like, what is wrong with me? You know, I'm thinking, why am I falling every hundred yards? And uh, and I remember Keith finally came up to me and he says, you know, Francis, stop focusing. Stop looking. Don't look where you don't want to go. He said, don't look where you don't want to go. And I realized, you know what? That's exactly what I was doing. I would look at like a rock that was in the middle of the road and think, I don't want to hit that. No, don't laugh. You would do the same thing. You, you just look at you look at the obstacles and you just think, man, if I hit that, he goes. But what happens is if you look at the obstacle, your, your hands, it's hard to to move your hands away from that. You just naturally gravitate toward it. And so that's exactly what I was doing. Ooh, I don't want to fall in that ditch. And, you know, and I'm looking, trying to avoid it. You know, I don't want to go down that cliff. I don't want to do this. And that's exactly where I would go. He says, instead, you're supposed to be focusing on the exact path where you want to head. He goes, just aim for a spot and focus on that spot and you'll hit it. He goes, but what happens to a lot of people is they get on a mountain bike and they see the obstacles they get so freaked out by. They think, I don't want to go there. And they naturally gravitate that direction. Now, you guys, that is what so many people do in life. We say to ourselves, I sure hope I don't end up like my dad over there. I sure don't want to, you know, get caught up in that sin. And we focus on these obstacles and all the all the ways that we could go wrong in life. We focus on our problems, say, oh, I don't want to get stuck in that bitterness like him or like her. Or I don't want to I don't want to deal with that anymore. But we're constantly looking at that rather than looking at the future and looking at where we want to go. And the world is constantly telling you, you know what, think about the past. Think about who you are. That's who you are, is, is what your past is. And the Bible is saying, no, 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 look to who you're becoming. Look to who you are today. Look to the fact that God's Spirit is in you and you are a child of God and you're going to inherit His kingdom one day. And focus on that. You guys, don't look where you don't want to go. You and I need to have our eyes focused on the fact that we are new creations in Christ. We are not the old us. Our baptism was a funeral service for the old us. When we came out of that water, it was about us being new creations in Christ. 
and His Spirit coming into us. And you guys, that's why there are no excuses for our sin. It's time that we as Christians stop making excuses for what we do wrong and start repenting. And realize that the Holy Spirit is in us and enabling us to change the old us. But do you believe that this morning? Do you really believe the Holy Spirit is in you and He is that powerful to enable you to to follow God and live a righteous life? If so, then would you bow your heads right now and just, just spend some time confessing to God? Guys, if there have been things you've been holding on to that you know are wrong, and you, you just made these excuses like, well, I just can't do that, would you just confess that to God right now? And would you pray to God and ask Him for righteousness? If you really want to aim toward the things of God, just tell Him that you believe that His Spirit is in you to change you. Just ask Him to purify you, to make you holy. Do you want God to change who you are? Do you believe that He can do that? You guys, it's, it's been such a different mindset as I've been studying this the last couple of weeks just daily to to realize I don't have to sin today. I do. But I don't have to. And and it's it's been helping me just to to realize who I am in Christ. That I have the power every time a decision comes up to choose right or wrong. I can choose what is right because of the power inside of me. And when you recognize that and you begin to just embrace that, embrace who you are in Christ... It, it totally changes who you are and your outlook on everything. You fall more and more in love with God. And it's, it's like when you start living that life, a life of victory over the past of who you are, that's when you become attractive to other people. You know, that's when people look at you and go, wow, they, that person has a joy. That person has a peace. That person has a life that I don't have. I want that in me. See, and that's the Holy Spirit. So people look at, at your life the, the, the way the Holy Spirit works in you right now. People who don't know anything about God, they look at you and really see something so different that they want it. They desire it. They covet it. Even to the point where they'll ask you what it is. I hope so, because that's the life that God wants us to have. And maybe this morning, um, you're hearing about this and you're wondering, gosh, is the Holy Spirit even in my life? Or maybe this morning you're hearing about what Jesus did for you on the cross and there, you never came to a point where you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. You ever came to a point where you asked Him into your life and the Holy Spirit came into you to change you, to empower you, and you would like that to happen this morning. Or maybe you just need prayer for whatever. If you, if you want to just come forward, there'll be some of us here up by the prayer room just to pray for you. Um, we want you to find this life that, uh, that we have in Jesus Christ. Because there's so much joy that you can get from your relationship with God.